0: Well, hello, welcome to Cross Community Church Online. We're really glad that you have taken some time to join in with us this weekend, whether you're watching Saturday evening or Sunday morning, uh, we have glad that you have chosen to join in. Uh, if you've, uh, if we've not had the chance of meeting yet, my name is Taylor Burgess, serve here at Cross as lead pastor. Uh, honored to have you here worshiping online. And uh, if you're watching me on Facebook in particular, we've linked several really important resources to this video. Uh, first resource is our next steps form. These are important because this is the number one way we stay connected with our church family uh, and connect with new faces as well. So if you're interested in getting more connected within the cross community, uh, church family, um, if you're part of our church family, you wanna share with us prayer requests, concerns, looking to get connected at greater depth, fill out that form. We'll be glad to follow up with you throughout the course of the week. Uh, We've also linked a COVID-19 impact form. If your family has been negatively uh, impacted by that in any way, we wanna be able to serve you. Uh, And a number of other resources as well for kids ministry so that you can uh, share uh, the, the big God story with your children at home and continue walking through the scriptures with them, resources for student ministry, all that is linked here on Facebook. Uh, If you're watching on Vimeo at a different time, all of those resources are available uh, on our church website at crosscommunity.org. Well, if you missed uh, the announcement this past week, we did share uh, our plan to begin regathering in person as a church family. So uh, on Sunday, June 21st, Cross Community will return uh, to the YMCA in a modified capacity. And again, in case you missed those details, here are the basics you need to know for that day. Uh, In this first return phase, we're going to have three worship services at 8.30, 9.45, and 11 o'clock. In this initial phase, our cross kids ministry, kids birth to fifth grade, is not going uh, to be open initially. Kids are more than welcome to attend with you uh, in the worship service, but please know uh, kids won't be um, open as it normally is on a Sunday morning. Um, Third important detail is that we'll need you to register online in advance to attend a worship service. Uh, That registration link is gonna be available on uh, Sunday, June 15th. Uh, and then um, last, please uh, just make sure as you're coming into the building and as you're preparing, we're following proper social distancing, just know that we've taken a number of extra precautions Um, to to keep things safe. And for those of you who are not gonna be able to join us in person, uh, we're gonna continue making content available online. The Sunday morning service uh, will uh, be recorded as we've been recording uh, in advance over the last several weeks. Uh, And then that's gonna be available for an online worship service uh, on Sunday. So uh, the full details of that are available right here on our Facebook page or on our Vimeo page. If you've got any questions about regathering at all, uh, feel free to contact us throughout the course of the week. Um, well, today, uh, this weekend, we're really excited to have Chris Woodard uh, sharing the message with us. Chris uh, serves uh, as a chaplain here, uh, serving Marines uh, on uh, on the uh, Recruit Depot. And Chris and his family have been a part of our church for a few years. Chris has spoken with us before. Uh, and sadly, uh, the Marine Corps will be moving them uh, to their next location um, this summer. And so we're really excited to have one more opportunity uh, to hear Chris bring the word to us this weekend. He'll be bringing the next message from our IM series uh, from John chapter 11, where Jesus makes the claim, I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, so as we begin our time of worship together here, uh, I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible with you, um, to open up uh, to the book of Psalms. Um, we're going to be in Psalm 33, verses 20 through 22. From wherever you are, read this with me as our call to worship uh, today, and then we'll pray and begin our time of worship today. Psalm 33, verse 20. Read this along with me. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. Father, we come to you this weekend, uh, Lord, in the midst of a very uh, broken and trying time in our nation. Father, there's so many unique challenges uh, that are at the forefront of our minds every single day. And so, Lord, our, our hearts grieve over the brokenness and injustice that is evident and present in our world. And, and Lord, we just ask that we as your children, we as followers of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we would be a faithful witness. We would be light in dark places. Lord, that our hope would be in you, that we would cry out to you and we would call out for you on behalf of those who are voiceless, on behalf of those who are unheard. Lord, where we have sin in our hearts, would we turn to you and confess and set our eyes and our affections upon you. Lord, will you intervene in the brokenness of our world even today, even in this moment. with The presence of your peace, of your strength, and through the witness of your church, would we make your glory and your gospel known to the ends of the earth. So Father, today will you be glorified as we sing? Will you be glorified as we sit under the teaching of your word? Father, will you prepare us and equip us to be the hands and feet of the hope of the gospel in our broken world. We love you, we praise you, we worship you now. It's in your name we pray. Let's sing together.
1: Steal you away, and death tried to keep you inside of the grave. The enemy fought you, he tried, but he lost. You cannot be starved. For freedom, you tore down the walls. The weight of our burdens, you carried it all. Our fears and our failures hang dead on the cross. You cannot be stopped. Of chains, Jesus has triumphed over the grave. Sing, Hallelujah! The battle is won, nothing can stand against our God. We stand on your victory, we shout out your praise. Awesome in power, relentless in love You cannot be stopped our God there's nothing that can stop our God there's nothing that can stop our God there's nothing that can stop our God there is nothing there is nothing There's nothing that can stop our God. There's nothing that can stop our God. There's nothing that can stop our God. There is nothing. There is nothing. Always sing it out. There's nothing that can stop our God. Stand against our God, Amen.
2: Thank God for His strength uh, and His justice and His mercy, uh, and that nothing can stop Him. He's mighty to say. Well, right now, uh, wherever you find yourself, uh, at your house, maybe you're around a table, you're at your desk doing some work. Uh, just take out your Bible and go ahead and turn uh, to John 11. And uh, for just a moment, uh, read John 11:25 through 26. Uh, read it out loud and uh, pray over uh, the word that is gonna be spoken to us today.
3: Well, hello everyone. It is such a privilege and it is an honor to be able to stand before you again and I want to thank Pastor Taylor and I want to thank our Cross Community family for all the love and support that you've given to my family uh, during my time here in Beaufort, serving at uh, Marine Corps Recruit Depot, Paris Island. It has uh, been quite a journey, but God has blessed and done some amazing things and He is still doing some amazing things. Uh, through the chaplains on the depot, and uh, I am just so glad to be a part of of God's work here. And so being able to be here with you at this time to bring the Word of God, this is an absolute honor. So if you have your Bibles and you have found John chapter 11, we're gonna look at a passage of scripture that if I were to rank uh, like the top 10, Coolest, best, most encouraging passages, this would definitely make the list. And I don't know about you, but I need a text like this, this week. We've been through some challenging months, but you know, the thing is, is that we're gonna come out of this, the events that we're in over the past several weeks, but we're gonna see more. Uh, as long as we live, there will be wars, rumors of wars, there will be disease, there will be pestilence, there will be troubles of all kinds. And I believe now more than ever, we need a word from the Lord. And I believe tonight as we are gathered here and whenever you may be watching this broadcast, it is my prayer that this text will speak directly to where you are and bring you the hope and the encouragement you need. We're gonna be looking at a text of scripture that I think many people are probably familiar with, and that is the the death of Lazarus, one of Jesus's dear friends, and his response to not just the death of Lazarus, but to those who were most impacted by the news of this man's illness and his subsequent death. So if you're in John chapter 11, I'm gonna read the paragraph that is gonna capture most of our attention. And then we're gonna fill in a little bit of the details that will help us to see the significance of why Jesus would say these words, I am the resurrection and the life. Let's begin reading in verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, well, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. If we were to take this account of Lazarus, I think we could draw an easy parallel to what happened here to to really symbolically represent the troubles that we have in our life. You see, Martha asked a question that I think if we were to be honest before the Lord and with each other, I bet we've asked, a similar question to God. Lord, where were you when I lost my job? Where were you when my loved one fell ill and died? Where were you when whatever trouble came into your life? But as we see in this text, uh, Jesus never does anything by accident. There is a purpose. And as hard as it is to think sometimes, there is a purpose in pain. There is a purpose, yes, in suffering. We may not know the answers, we may not know the bigger picture, but I believe this story does something for us that will give us great encouragement, and that is to give us perspective. So let's rewind a little bit, a few verses going all the way back to the beginning of chapter 11. Let's kind of summarize what's happened here. You've got Jesus who is um, with his disciples. He receives word in, uh, verse chapter excuse me, in verse three, The sisters sent to him saying, "Lord, he whom you love is ill, referring to, to Lazarus. But when Jesus heard it, he said, "Well, this illness does not lead to death. That's important to understand. It is for the glory of God. That automatically tells us, that in our pain and in our suffering, God is still moving, He is still at work, He has not left you alone, no matter how much you think He has. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Well, one would think, well, Jesus' dear friend Lazarus is sick, he needs to go to Him, that's what we would think. That's the way we would respond, but that's not the response of Jesus. We see later through this text and the subsequent verses, he actually kind of stayed put. And then when he received word that Lazarus had actually died, he still did not immediately respond. We actually see in this text, if you were to read from verse five uh, through uh, verse 16, that, that Jesus actually stayed away for four whole days. And that's gonna be significant for us to understand this text a little bit later. And he actually made it clear to his disciples when they used the term, well, we, Lazarus has gone to sleep. Well, we know that that was a metaphor for death, but Jesus made it abundantly clear in verse 13. Now, Jesus has spoken of his death that they thought that he meant taking rest to, to, in sleep. But Jesus told them plainly, no, Lazarus has died. In in other words, Jesus was, in their grief, Jesus kind of reinforced it, this guy's dead. Where's the hope in that? Our hope goes all the way back in the beginning of this chapter when He said, God's gonna get the glory out of this. We have to remember that. In the pain and the suffering that we are enduring right now as a country, in your personal life, no matter what's going on, If you let God work, He's gonna get the glory. And now it comes time for Jesus to travel. And He is gonna now come to Bethany where all of the commotion was taking place. There are some textual clues that let us know about the significance of Lazarus's death. We begin reading immediately in verse 17 that when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem. And in verse 19, it says that many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. There's some textual indication here that says that this was a well-known family that if you had an entire region of people that have come together, Lazarus was a popular guy. A lot of people were impacted. And now four days, this guy's dead and buried. He's in the tomb. Nothing is going to seemingly change. Now here comes Jesus. And something kind of interesting happens. Martha, hears about Jesus approaching the village. And it seems like Martha is going to do what Martha does best. She's going to go out to Jesus. It says here in the text, verse 20, so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. And what's interesting is that this passage reminds us of a previous account in Luke chapter 10, when Jesus was visiting the home of Mary and Martha, and Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. Martha in the house working, trying to take care of the guests. She comes out to Jesus and said, will you tell Mary to come and help? There's a lot of work to be done around here. And here is Martha coming out to see Jesus again, to have some words with him. I don't believe we are much unlike Martha. She did this reverently, I believe, of course. But don't we go to Jesus sometimes with the truth of what's happening in our lives? I believe God's big enough to handle the way that we're feeling. He already knows how we're feeling. In grief, in sorrow, in loss, in times of trouble. Mary was just honest with how she was feeling. Lord, if you'd been here, the one you love, this Lazarus, my brother, he wouldn't have died. That was her response. It's interesting that she would just go out to meet where all these throngs of people, no no doubt have already gathered. She did this publicly. And, And there wasn't a greeting of Lord, teacher, Rabbi, It was, where were you? I've asked that question before. My heart has been broken to the point before where I said to God, where were you? Because my perspective was not His perspective. You see, God doesn't work the way that we always think He should. His ways, the Word tells us, are not our ways. But I know always that His ways are indeed best. Well, the text doesn't end here. We're gonna keep going on. Says that Mary remained seated in the house and Martha, again, she said, you know, Lord, if you'd been here, Lazarus would still be living. But, Remarkably in verse 22, she, she almost goes in a completely different direction. She says, but, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, he's gonna give it to you. In other words, I believe Martha was speaking from her grief but she still remembered who Jesus was. And I think in the recesses of our pain and in our hurt and in our agony, I think the same thing can apply. Yes, I have been blunt with God before, but I've remembered who He was and I know that He's not done with me. I know that He's not done with the situation that I may be in or the situation that you may be in. And we know what I think Mara, uh, What Martha was, was really wanting. See, she, she knew, I, I believe she had an awareness that Jesus had raised the dead before. But what was interesting in these words, and we're gonna continue reading them. She says, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, well, your brother will rise again. Now, if I were hearing those words and that applied to me and, and, and my brother Lazarus was in the grave, I would, I would be through the, through the roof excited. But, but Martha, I think, is interpreting this according to the way that she had always heard it all along. Look at the way she responds. In verse 24, Martha said to him, "'Well, I know that he will rise again "'in the resurrection on the last day.'" You see, she was trained well theologically. I think Martha's a lot like us. She knew the promises of God, but I think she actually forgot that the promises of God applied to her too. I think sometimes we think about God's goodness, but we think about it in terms of he's good to someone else or or I know the truth of who Jesus is and I know what he's done for me, but I I don't think it's really for me. I, I, I don't know if he'll really do this for me or I may feel unworthy. Just as even now, I feel absolutely unworthy of bringing the word of God to you. But you know what? God doesn't operate based on my worth. He proved His worth to me and He proved His worth to you when He died on the cross. So it's not about how I feel about the situation, but here is Martha. She's just going back to her Sunday school teaching, as it were. And she's failing to realize that the truth of God is applying to her as well. And then Jesus doing what a master teacher does, a perfect teacher, confronts her with ultimate truth. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, Mary or Martha, no matter what you think I'm going to do or what I can do, do not put your hope in the miracles. You put your hope in me. You're looking for a sign, but I'm telling you the Savior is standing before you. And sometimes I think we get caught up in wanting God to move, we're waiting, we're getting impatient and we want the miracles. And all the while here is the Savior already with us. Because the Savior is with me, I don't care let the coronavirus do what it needs to do. My faith and my heart is steadfast in the Lord. He is my Lord and Savior. He is my resurrection and my life. Martha had been with Jesus all of this time and so had the disciples And what I think is pretty interesting. And I intentionally uh, overlooked a, a, a verse to bring you back to it at this point actually a couple of verses. Jesus kind of gave a clue as to why he did things the way that he did it back in verse 15. He says, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm glad I wasn't there when Lazarus died because I'm gonna go to Bethany and I'm not, I'm not just going to console this family, but I'm gonna prove to them and show to them who I am. Why? The text specifically says, so that you may believe. Can you imagine disciples being with Jesus for nearly three years, Mary and Martha being with Jesus for nearly three years and even they had trouble believing. So I don't think that you and I are are that much stronger than they. We struggle sometimes with our belief too. And this was a way for Jesus to show to them. And by the way, I told you that the significance of the four days that Lazarus had been dead. You see, there was a rabbinical teaching that good educated Jews would have known about during this time. You see, they believed and the rabbis taught that after a person dies, that the soul would kind of remain and hover for three days to see if it could re-enter the body. But on the fourth day when the color was gone and Death had actually, we, we know that death has settled in. There was no hope. Then the soul would leave. Jesus knew what these rabbis were teaching all along. And he waited until everyone knew that what he was about to do with Lazarus was not wake someone up from a coma, not shake them and say, hey, you know, wake up. No, they knew that what he was about, excuse me, Jesus knew that what he was about to do was to prove to all of them once and for all that he was the resurrection and the life by giving someone who is absolutely dead. There's no two ways about it. Lazarus was dead and giving someone who is absolutely dead brand new life. The Bible tells us that likewise we are dead in our trespasses and our sin. So Jesus is our resurrection and our life when we trust in Him as our Lord and Savior. But you know something? It is not just a one and done deal. I remember as a five-year-old boy going to church and I would hear the Sunday school lessons, maybe like you did. And I remember having those questions about who Jesus was and and what He did and and why He died for my sins. And while theologically, I I, I didn't have it all figured out, I knew just a few things about my life. I knew that I was a sinner and I knew that Jesus had come to fix it. And I remember as a five-year-old kid in the living room of my childhood home, my father having a discussion with me about Jesus and that He came to die on the cross for our sins and that I could receive Him as my Lord and Savior if I were to confess with my mouth and believe with my heart that that Jesus is Lord. And I remember kneeling. I remember the way the chair looked. I remember, I almost remember what my dad was wearing at that moment. That's how real it was, but that's not where things ended. That's actually where my life began. You see, Jesus was not just my resurrection and the life for me to receive him and to be saved. Jesus now became the resurrection and my life every single day thereafter because my life is now in him. So why do we take a text like this and live it tomorrow? Tomorrow? What do we do with a text that, that Jesus boldly reclaims that he is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. So when we say yes, Lord, what happens then? I wanna kind of give you just a few suggestions on what I believe we can do with this text in our life moving forward. First of all, I believe that the resurrection means that we now have final and lasting peace. Peace is an interesting word. Peace is not necessarily the absence of conflict. Peace means that the battle is over. And I don't know who eventually will be seeing this message, but I kind of think that there's gonna be someone who is watching this right now, and you've been waging a war this past week. You've been fighting a battle that I believe in your heart, you know you're never gonna win because the battle belongs to the Lord. And I'm here to tell you that when Jesus died on the cross, when those nails pierced His hands and pierced His feet, when He breathed His last and He said, it is finished, I believe that not only applied for for my ability to receive Him, but it meant that I don't have to fight anymore. I don't have to worry about fighting battles that don't belong to me. The battle belongs to the Lord. I now have peace. When the Prince of Peace came into my life, it's over. The battle has been won. He fought, he won the battle of death, hell and the grave. What do I have to worry about? And with all the chaos and the turmoil in our lives and in the world today, and we, we know that there will always be, my faith in Jesus has given me that peace. So I don't have to fight. I, I don't have to contend with my life as a result. Another thing that I see out of this text that I believe I, I can live this, right? is that the resurrection means that we must live by faith and not by sight. Uh, In my work as a chaplain, I I counsel, um, oh my goodness, uh, dozens sometimes per week of uh, recruits and Marines and sailors. And and every now and again, I I hear conversations where they will say something like this. They say, I'm just praying for God to give me a sign. And I, I get why they say that. I'll be honest with you, I, I wanna sign sometimes, don't you? I, I, signs make life easy, okay? <laughs> when I'm driving, I need signs to keep me alive. If I don't have signs, I would drive the way I would want to drive and I don't think uh, my family or my car insurance would like that too much. So I get it. But when Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life, I think it automatically settles once and for all. We don't have to look for signs anymore. We have a savior. That was our sign. The Bible actually explicitly says that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that without faith, it is impossible to please God. In other words, I don't have to worry about looking for certain things and trying to predict certain things. I have peace in my life knowing that the Savior did the work for me. He is my life. I don't have to worry. Even Jesus uh, told those who were wanting for a sign, he said, it is a wicked and adulterous generation that will look for a sign. And so if Jesus is my resurrection and He is, and He is my life and He is. And if He tells us that He is, He is the resurrection and the life, then you too, you can walk by faith. You don't need to worry about the signs and things going on. We just walk by faith knowing that Jesus is our life and I'm gonna live my life every single day in glory and in honor of Him. I'll fail him, but when I do, I'm gonna go straight back to Jesus because he still is the resurrection and the life. He still is my Jesus who every single day I get mercies renewed. He is the same Jesus who, who we are told in John's epistle that if we go to him and confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all unrighteousness. And finally the resurrection means that we can live with confidence knowing that the sting of death has been taken away. Have you ever worried about dying? Now, I'll be honest with you, I think there's some ways to go that I think might be a little bit more tolerable. But honestly, I don't care. Paul says For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That means to live, I win, die, I win. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He purchased eternal life for me when he died on the cross. My salvation is secure. My eternal home in heaven. I've got a permanent zip code and it's in heaven because he is the resurrection and the life. The sting of death has been taken away. I don't have to worry about what's gonna happen to me when I die because of what Jesus did. And if you look at this text, I believe this is such a powerful statement that we can lift from here. When he declared to, to, to Martha, and those who were listening, by the way, when he, when he said, not only am I, I am the resurrection and life, but he, he challenges Martha, do you believe this? And if you look at Martha's response, she says something that's very remarkable. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. If that text sounds familiar, it's because that it's very similar to the words of, the Apostle Peter in Matthew 16. When Jesus was quizzing the disciples on what people were saying about him, and he looked at Peter and says, you know, who do you say that son of man is? And Peter replied, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That term Christ, that is a title. That is something amazing that, that we, when we admit to who he is, We admit to his work. We we, we are admitting that he has come to save man from his sin, but we must trust in him. We must believe in him. And it is so significant that we understand that he is the resurrection and he is the life. There's a story that I read long ago. Pastor Chuck Swindoll was the one that I initially heard this story from about a young girl and an older lady in Kenya. It seems that one day a young girl, eight years old, her name was Monica. Monica was walking around her village in this Kenyan village and walking in an area that was kind of strange and uh, kind of unfamiliar to her. She happened to fall into a pit that had been designed to capture an animal. When she fell in, she immediately began screaming for help. She she was injured, but not too bad. So she was just screaming out, come help me, come help me. There was another older lady from the village named Najiri. Najiri heard Monica's cry for help and Najiri came over and she looked down, she could see little Monica there and she was was hurt. And so she was able to actually kind of climb down into the pit without injuring herself and started assisting this little girl. Right about the time that she had gotten little Monica in position to kind of hoist her up, a black mamba snake. And if you know anything about uh, the black mamba, it's one of the most deadliest snakes that uh, are on the face of the earth. This black mamba snake had slithered its way into this pit as well. And in the process of Najiri helping Monica, the snake bit Najiri. And then it turned around and bit Monica as well. Najiri still had the strength to get Monica out of the pit and even lifted herself back out of the pit as well. And Nigeria was able to get Monica to the attention of doctors and the medical care. And Nigeria actually just went home. Nigeria went home and she laid down the, the snake bite, the wound was just hurting and she fell asleep and she never woke up, she died. Little Monica, however, she was under the care of the doctors and the nurses and she actually made a full recovery. She began questioning what had happened and nurse came by who was able to kind of put it in eight year old language. She said, Monica, she said, when the snake bit Najiri, the snake took and gave Najiri all of the poison that would have killed someone. Najiri took the poison that was meant for you. So that when the snake bit you, that there was no poison left. So Najiri was able to make a full recovery. Excuse me, Monica was able to make a full recovery because of the sacrifice of Najiri. In a very similar way, Jesus said, I am, the resurrection and the life because he took the poison of sin to the cross that would have killed us. He took it to the cross on our behalf and he died with it. But Jesus is the resurrection and the life, so there's no way he could have stayed dead. And He rose again, not on the fourth day, He rose again on the third day so that we may have the resurrection and the life He promises to us, to anyone who believes. My friend, when you trust in Jesus, the battle is over. There's no need to contend anymore. There's no need to, to fight the battles that you've been fighting for a long time or maybe the battles that you're just trying to fight now. There's no need. Jesus has won the battle. Our sins are forgiven. He's a resurrection and the life. It is my prayer that that truth that I realize as a five-year-old boy is the same truth that you realize for yourself today. So Father, I thank you I thank you for being the resurrection and the life, and I thank you that you took the the sting of death to the cross. Because if, if I had taken the sting of death to the cross, I would have stayed dead. But you're the Son of God. You're the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, the Christ, the Everlasting Lord. So when you went to the cross, you took the sting of death and all that it would have meant for me, and you took it so that when you rose again to feed a death hell in the grave, it meant that you were now my resurrection and the life. Father, I pray for all of those listening and that that is true for them as well, and that they would turn to you with whatever may be hurting with whatever may be causing them grief or pain, that they would turn to you even right now, cry out to you because we know that you hear our prayers. I pray that you would respond, Lord, in accordance with your will to our pleas. In your name that we pray, amen.
1: Tore through the shadows of my soul The work is finished The end is written Jesus Christ, my living hope Who could imagine? Who could imagine So great a mercy could fathom such boundless grace. The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me. Own. beautiful savior i'm yours forever jesus christ my living hope we sing hallelujah salvation you
0: say thank you uh, so much to Chris um, for sharing that uh, incredibly timely word um, with us. What, what better hope could we rest in uh, in the turbulent weeks that we've had than the hope that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life and that nothing is too difficult um, for him. So be sure to reach out to Chris, say thank you to him uh, for bringing the word with us this weekend. Um, as Chris mentioned, it has been a very crazy, uh, hectic and a turbulent couple of weeks. And uh, so if you missed it um, just a couple days ago, by the time you watch this Saturday, Sunday, uh, Thursday night, we had a Facebook Live. I spoke into some of these events, shared some reflection from scripture uh, and shared what is our church's plan uh, as a path forward how do we actually begin uh, progressing and moving forward in the midst of all of the chaos and turmoil uh, in which we're presently living so if you miss that uh, that was thursday night at facebook live event that's available still on our facebook page you can go back Uh, and check that out and just know that we're going to continue leaning into that as the Lord leads us uh, through this season. Um, We're so grateful to have you joining in with us again online. We are so excited about being back with you in person, many of you, uh, in the next couple of weeks at the YMCA. Don't forget, if you're watching this on Facebook, all the resources we talked about during the welcome are available uh, linked to this video. If you're watching at a different time on Vimeo, all of those resources are available on our website uh, at crosscommunity.org. Um, so as we always do, let's close uh, uh, by saying our banner verse from Psalm 45:17. This is our church's statement of intent of what we want to be about uh, as a body of believers. And then we'll sing together as we close. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Amen. Let's sing together. Praise God.
2: Uh, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you uh, to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, guys. We love you so much. Uh, We can't wait to see you here next week.